How do you want it to work? What do you, what do you want We're just going to chat. Right, okay. And anything you don't want to talk about, you don't talk about. Um, or if you sit there and say, oh, I don't want to go there. It's fine. No, I don't think that's the issue for me. I suppose it's almost... Um, I'm having to be be completely open, actually. Um, I just won't, I'm not going to tell my kids about it. Right. Um, not just now. Okay. I might, I don't know. I'm actually, I haven't dealt with that part yet. That's interesting. Depends what I see. So you're telling me stuff that you haven't told your kids? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I want you to meet my good friend, Joe. Now, we've known each other for a few years. We've spent a lot of time together, cycling, socialising, talking. But one thing we've never talked about until now is that for a long time, Joe was suicidal. This expression my dad used to use, which was very apt, he said, with pressure, it's like the barrel of a gun leaning against your forehead. And he said, you can deal with that for a while, but after a while, it becomes too much and you have to do something about it. I didn't know what else I could do about it. So for me, for several years probably, my get-out was that if things became too bad, I would go off the Erskine Bridge. It was the way I got to sleep, because I would lie awake, nervous about the next day if a bank statement was due or I had bills to pay or whatever, just pressure. And the only way I could get to sleep was to think, well, it's okay because if it gets too much for me, I'll go off the Erskine Bridge. That was my get-out clause. That was how I, I would deal with the situation. Speaking of Suicide Podcast is, by design, frank, open and honest. That doesn't always make it an easy listen. So if it's too much, just press pause. I'm Penny Latin and this episode has been sponsored by Gary and the team at Williamson Food Service based in the Highlands. So a big thanks to them for their support. And the reason we're all getting behind this series is the blunt fact that suicide rates are on the up. And we're convinced that the more we talk about this difficult and painful subject, the more we stand a chance of making a difference and saving lives. Speaking of Suicide is made in collaboration with and in support of Mikey's Line. So throughout the podcast, we'll remind you of their helpline and after we've heard from Joe, Shona from Mikey's Line will give us a few takeaway thoughts. I wanted to talk to you because well, we bumped into each other a few weeks back. I mentioned that we were making Speaking of Suicide and you just went, oh, yeah, 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 in a very kind of relaxed manner and then said, oh, yeah, well, that was my go-to for ages. And my jaw hit the floor, Joe, because I know we, we don't know each other that well, mm. but we've spent time together and chatted and cycled and all that kind of stuff um and i didn't see that one coming and it brought home to me immediately that actually none of us know each other very well do we none of us know what's what's going on for someone else yeah it's it was i mean i was i was i owned a small family business which my mum and dad had been well they were there before me so i bought it off them um, it had been successful. Um, it was tailing off slightly. Much more competition. I took it on. I, I, I was the age then that my elder daughter is now, twenty-eight, and still thought I was indestructible. And oh, it's okay. Dad couldn't do this in the modern world, but I could. Um, arrogance and stupidity. 
but um, I took it on. Uh, I was happy to take it on. Um, it went. It was a very successful little business in many respects. It was a florist. As a florist, yeah, I should say. So it's a retail flower shop, um, and it's you know when you look at the the stats for florists in the UK, it had a very high turnover. It was profitable in the face of it, but it just didn't. It was extremely long hours, very hard work. And even though it was a busy flower shop, it just didn't generate enough income. And when my dad had had the shop uh, in Shawlands in Glasgow, the, uh, there was nobody uh, for miles who was in the same business. Um, and I, I think in my second year in, there was a big kind of UK-wide competition and we won the Regional Florist of the Year uh, for the Flower Council of Holland for whatever, for Scotland and the North of England. Uh, and they didn't quite believe that when I filled out the form, you know, a number of other shops within, I think, a three-mile radius, and there was something like 26. It was an enormous number. Um, so although on the face of it, it was busy, you know, bustling, it, was in, it, it wasn't making the money it should have done or, or what you people would have thought it had done. Um, and the pressure became quite intense um, in terms of the financial pressures and the VAT bill every quarter and whatever. We bought a house in every part of the world. Were you married? Uh, I was married at the time, yeah. We had Hannah, my elder daughter, had... Um, uh, she just been, Yeah, she was just born. Um, we, yeah, we'd moved up to Glasgow. In fact, it was because I, was, I, was work, I worked in the recruitment business and I had very well and I was thinking of opening my own recruitment company and I think almost as a, as a throwaway comment my mum said to my, my wife um, well if he wants to run his own business why doesn't he come and give his dad a hand and the two that I wasn't there at that time um, and then we then talked about it later and I thought well actually I can go and I can operate it as, as a business I wasn't a florist I wasn't particularly artistic at all thought I'll give it a shot give my dad a hand and unfortunately, my dad then wasn't particularly well. One of his main florists wasn't very well. So I had to start doing floristry, which had not been the plan at all. Um, quite the reverse. Um, but I ended up becoming a florist. Um, and the, I had the same name as my dad. So, was like, oh, your dad's fantastic. Your dad's X, Y, Z. And it was fantastic. I loved the time we then had as a father and son and, and, and mother and son as well. It was fantastic. That was a real upside. But the downside was that over time, I could see the writing in the wall in terms of this was not working. Um, but it was exceptionally difficult to unwind from. The, the, not from My family would have been completely supportive of any decision I took, but I felt the pressure. Pressure because, not just because it was failing, but because it was a family business that you'd absolutely, taken on. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I'd taken it on. I had you know, you know, next generation kind of idea because my grandfather had started the business, mm. my, my dad, then me. Um, and I'm thinking, oh, great, uh, this is this is a nightmare. So I, yeah, it was uh, the pressure was six and seven days a week. So the pressure was financial, then became familial because my, you know, my wife was never seeing me. My kids didn't see me. I worked at the weekends. It just seemed to be a, a downward spiral and I didn't really know what to do with myself. So financially, as the pressure built, you know, that way you can have borrowed more money from the bank, did this, did X, Y, and Z, you know, did anything you could to try and keep it going. Um, 
but for me, I felt the pressure. There's an expression my dad used to use, which was very apt. He said, with pressure, it's like the barrel of a gun leaning against your forehead. And he said, you can deal with that for a while, but after a while, it becomes too much and you have to do something about it. I didn't know what else I could do about it. So for me, for several years, probably, my get out was that if things became too bad, I would go off the Erskine Bridge. And literally, it was the way I got to sleep because I would lie awake, nervous about the next day if a bank statement was due or I had bills to pay or whatever, just pressure. And the only way I could get to sleep was to think, well, it's okay because if it gets too much for me, I'll go off the Erskine Bridge. I live near the Erskine Bridge. So it was almost a, it was almost humorous in my own head in a, in a strange, strange fashion that that was my get-out clause. That was how I, I would deal with the situation. Um... I, for years? Yeah, two or three years probably. Um, I was, you know, you'd stop at the side of the road and vomit out this car and stuff because your stomach's tired and not because of just the stress, yeah. So sleeping less and less, but more and more tired. Um, if I did sleep, you know, it was, they weren't great sleeps. It was just, it was just a very stressful, and, and we were very happy in the face of it, but that was masking all kinds of pressures. We lived in a in a lovely village near Glasgow, Kilmacoom, and you know, poverty isn't one of the issues in most of Kilmacoom. Um, so the social pressure was enormous as well. Um, as it was, I drove a van home, you know, my ex uh, my wife had the car, um, I drove a van, which was fine as a florist and I was you know I was good at it. Uh, that was almost the saddest part. I was a very good florist. I had a business degree, I understood business, but I couldn't make the two work. Or rather, I stood back and thought, this isn't working, but I kept on going. Um, and that was, with hindsight, the wrong thing to do. But at the time, you feel there's there's nothing else you can do. There's nowhere else to go, there's nowhere else to turn. I had borrowed money from different people, and I you know that, was, that which in itself was difficult. Um, bank loans, etc. So it was, it was, it was just very stressful. And I say for me, getting to sleep, or driving along the road and thinking, um, well, I had two options: I could go off the Erskine Bridge, or just turn the wheel into an oncoming lorry. That was a recurring one for me, um, just because I thought. It would almost be easier, but then I thought that's terrible. The poor driver, the other vehicle, he's going to be killing me, um, and that's wrecking his life or her life. And I thought that's awful as well. But again, you're not thinking in a particularly rational fashion. Um, I tried to talk to my ex-wife about it, and to be fair to her, and absolutely fair to her, um, she responded with some very tough love. Um, which at the time I was devastated by, um, uh, but she was probably right. And so far as I said, I, I tried to tell her about my get out clause. I tried to tell her about. So you tried to, to admit that you, yeah, you that were thinking of suicide? Thoughts of suicide. And um, she turned to me, looked at me, and just said, If you do it, I will not be at your funeral. You coward. 
which was really hard at the time. Um, but possibly with hindsight, um, she, and she also wanted to talk about our two wonderful, fabulous. Uh, our daughters. And how it would affect them. Uh, and she was right. She was absolutely right. Yeah. So you didn't do it? No. Um, so I suppose I I then looked for outs. I then we did other things. So in the end, um, the business became insolvent. I pulled the plug in the business which was awful. Um, uh, we had at that point in time, two shops, I declared the bank business bankrupt, which was an enormous stress for my family, myself, my wife, my kids didn't know. <laughs> Unless they listen to this, they will never know, but they may well listen to this. Um, because I've never discussed it really much at all. Uh, it was a stain as far as I was concerned. We started, we did a, literally up with my, my mother, God lover, um, who's just passed away. Uh, she and I were kind of in it together. My dad had, had died. Um, so she ended up uh, uh, taking the business on with the creditor's full knowledge that she would she would continue with a kind of a, a paired back version of the business. We sold one of the shops and um, uh, kind of cut our cloth. Um, and I had, I had promised uh, my wife that when I turned 40 if the business still wasn't making money then I would leave which is what I did um, I pretty much I resigned or, or I joined a recruitment company in Glasgow and uh, realized I joined the wrong one within about two days or less and thought oh god I've made an arse of this um, uh, but at least I wasn't in the flower trade. And this is the, this is the thing for me. So I joined a company, I was unhappy at it, but the thoughts of suicide had gone because I had done the thing which I thought was unthinkable, which was declared the business bankrupt. Uh, and that was for me, uh, that was, it was awful. What brought you though to that, that point? I mean, was there a point where you thought, actually, I am in genuine danger of, of of seeing this through was there a turning point when you thought I've got to make a change because clearly selling or stepping away from the business was a massive change and it yeah. it was you know you recognized what was at the heart of your um your huge stress and, yeah. and unhappiness but was there a, a turning point when you recognized and said actually I've got to, to do something about this well actually this is this is the for me the Possibly the, the irony, because at the time I was, I, I hated her response. It could well have been um, my wife's response to me, um, and her forcing me to think about our kids. Because I, I, I had thought about them. Of course I had. Uh, um, but in that blinkered way, you think, well, actually, it'll be good for them because at least I'll be out of their hair, and you know that they won't have me as a financial drain, and I won't be embarrassing or a, or, a, or you know. They can, they can have somebody else who's like other dads in Kilmacomb. They've got nice cars and incomes and stuff. Um, Were you so embarrassed? Oh, completely mortified. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was what, embarrassed. Of, of, of what? Failing? Failing. The social uh, um, 
anxiety it causes. Um, the the you know the people the tittle tattle about you're a failure. Um, it was you know it was a family business. You know my grandfather, my father. Um, it was it had and had it had been the source of of angst between myself and my wife. Could we had argued about it because it, you know, I I wasn't home enough. Um, so then almost to not have been worth it all. That was that was crushing, um, and that that still crushes me to this day. Where was that pressure coming from, though? I mean, was it you putting that pressure on you? Did oh. you have expectations, uh, or or did you grow up with it? Where? I, I it's a good question. I'm not sure. I think the pressure was probably self-imposed. Um, um, I you know I grew up in a very happy family. Although, uh, interestingly, when when I um, my dad and I were then in. Well, I bought the business, but he still was involved with it for a few years, and that was fabulous to have that time together. And I remember asking him. Now he had huge financial pressures as well. He'd five kids. Um, he just moved houses, got this business going, and I, I never told him my thoughts, but I, I asked him if he'd ever contemplated uh, suicide. I looked at him. Said, never, not a chance. Never crossed my mind at all. And I was. I was almost upset, which sounds ridiculous. I was almost thinking, "Oh God, I can't even. I can't talk to my dad about it." I thought he might say, "Yes, I have thought about it, but this is what I did to get round it." Um, and when he said, "No, never," I went, oh, you failed again. Yeah, it's just me. <laughs> oh Christ! Um, and that, that was that was a devastating blow. If I'm honest, did you seriously think about it a lot? Yes, if I'm honest. Um, uh, it, it, I was very stressed, um, and I was internalising almost everything. Um, that was—I I also know that to be a massive mistake. But I internalised. So I would come home, and my wife would say, "How was today?" And I would just say, "Fine." How was your day? And she was a, a, a teacher, very good teacher. In fact, she's now rector of the school she worked at. She's superb at her job. She didn't really want to know uh, the details of the crap I was dealing with. And I wouldn't really have been very good at expressing them. I shouldn't. I'd never, never sought medical help. I didn't go to a doctor's and say, you know, this is where my head is at. Again, I didn't want to almost admit that I was probably clinically depressed at the time. Why wouldn't you have wanted to admit it? Was that was that <sighs> failure again? Failure. Failure, failure again. Yeah, I suppose because in my. I had gone through school successfully, I had um, gone through university successfully, I had gone into accountancy, hated that to be fair, but then gone into recruitment and it had gone really well. Things had gone well, I had married young, I had married somebody I adored, um, and it was it was falling away. Um, and then to say, well actually that big decision I took for the family, about buying my dad's business and settling in Glasgow and doing, you know, making a, a success of it, yes, it's all gone. And yes, we've got the nice house in Kilmacomb and it looks, everything looks okay. Everything wasn't okay. Uh, and that was, that was awful. We're going to pause for two seconds while you kind of have a, have a breath because it, it is a story that resolves and becomes happier. And yes. I want to come back to that. Mm-hmm. 
if listening to this is striking a chord with you, don't forget it is okay not to be okay. And if you need someone to talk to, you can text 07786 207755. That's 07786 207755. Or contact them via Messenger, Web Chat, or Twitter. Sunday to Thursday, 6 pm to 10 pm. Friday to Saturday, 7 pm to 7 am. So, Joe, you bailed on the business, yes. as you probably see it, yes. walked away, chucked, chucked in the towel. Yes, I did. How, how did you progress from there? Um, how, how quickly did you manage to make life better? Because you've lived with this for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, um, uh, yeah it took a long time. I, um, I'd gone back into recruitment, and it had been a disaster, but I didn't want to tell my, my wife that, so... She actually came into town on a Friday night, which was unusual, and we joined my colleagues for our drink. And it was a quick drink before we went for dinner ourselves. And we walked up the stairs of this bar, and she turned to me and just said, you work with these people? And oh God, thank God, can I leave now? She said, yes, absolutely. So I, I, um, I resigned on a Wednesday, now it was near Mother's Day. This is actually all kind of relevant in my own head. I left on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, I went to the shop in Kilmarnock on the Thursday morning early, about uh, six in the morning. And I got home on Sunday evening, about six in the evening. So it was like all day Thursday, all day Friday. And I just was at work for three days solid because it became obvious that, thank God I was going back in, which they weren't expecting. Because without me, it would have been impossible. Um, it was a it was a tough gig. That was an interesting day, a few interesting a few days rather. But it, it was fine. But it was not. I didn't want to become a florist again. I, I promised my wife, and I, I meant it. I ended up joining a different recruitment company, and it went well. Like hallelujah, um, things were on the were better. I then got um, headhunted to go to another recruitment company. Fantastic, and then two things happened. One, I got cancer. Um, and to the stock market crash came, or the 2008 crash came, because um, that's the year I had my bowel cancer. So that was interesting. Um, I struggled on at the same company for a while, but they were they were having financial difficulties because of the, the, the financial downturn. They were making lots of redundancies, and I had a heart attack. Um, just bad genes. <laughs> just, some folk are just lucky. I'm interested, though. I mean, I'm not sounding shocked because I know that you've had cancer yeah. and a, a heart attack. <laughs> we know each other. <laughs> that is something we have we we have talked about and shared. Um, we have shared health issues, cancer, mm-hmm. in fact, and it for me, I think it really changed how I felt about the value of life. Yeah, and I'm yeah. wondering whether it did the same for yeah. you. Yes, I think it did. Um, it's interesting. I look back at it now with long enough ago that I think for me in terms of the dealing with the, the stresses and the struggles that I had faced, the, the hardest thing was standing back to the business and declaring it. And, and I, I felt um, that once I had done that, that was for me, that's what I wanted to avoid at all costs. 
that was the, th the thing that you know, going off the Erskine Bridge or turning into an oncoming vehicle, that was that was the thing I dreaded was the business going bankrupt. That having happened, I actually the, the the relief was enormous. My regret is I didn't not so much do it earlier, but uh, talk about it more openly and get better advice. Um, a for my own health, uh, B for the, 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 the business. So, you know, basically, I actually thought, what I thought was that if the business went bankrupt, my life was over. And that, that's how I viewed it. If, I, if the business went, my life was over. Um, it just I, I wouldn't be able to face life if that had happened. And the, the revelation, I suppose, was that the sun still rose and the sun still set. And to a large extent, nobody gave a bugger. And that was that was I can't actually express how how important that was because you can have thought, what the hell was I worrying about? So when cancer came along, it A I didn't think, oh good, this is a way of ending things. Quite the reverse, absolutely the reverse. It, it, it never crossed my mind that I was going to lose my life because of the cancer. Not for a minute. Really? Never. Um, heart attack was slightly more scary, I suppose. <laughs> but at no time did I think cancer would get me. And at no time did I think, oh, good, this is a way out. It, it was a revelation. And for me, the revelation was even stronger uh, um, when I had a heart attack. I found it scary. I didn't want to lose my life. That was really important, and I suppose for me, at that, that that's 2009 when I started thinking, right, are you really happy with how life is? And it's something I, I tell my, my girls and my kids, if you're happy, great. And if you're not, change something. Now, don't let life just wash over you. If you know, Take it with a scruff of the neck and do something about it. I, I wish I'd taken my own advice. I used to say to my girls, um, there's nothing, not of what you do, I'm always going to love you. Come what may. Um, and I wish almost I'd said that to myself. And I just, oh, hang on. It took a very long time to like myself again. Like yourself again, what, because you'd... you'd Failed. You hadn't failed, but you thought you had. Do you still look back and think you failed? Yeah, in some ways. Um, I, I wish I'd been better at being honest with myself, being honest with others around me, around about me. Honesty would have been the best policy, you know, they always, they always say, but it's true. If after four years in the business, I thought, this is just not happening. You're still only 32 or 33 years of age. Do something about it. I, it would have been fine. You know, yeah, we'd, we'd have sold a bit. It would have been okay. I, I put blinkers on and just thought, no, no, this is busy. We're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this, doing this. Um, and I was, a, I was a very good florist. You know, I was, I was, I was a high profile florist um, in many respects. You know, I used to go on stage and demonstrate and be arty and funny and clever and all the rest of it. So in the face of it, you're the, we're the top of your profession. And not to be. That was a, that was a tough gig. 
Now life is is very very different. My life is completely different. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I know I practiced what I, I wish I had been I preached to myself ten twelve years ago, however uh, long it was, um, because at the age of um, well actually when when I'd had my first heart attack, um, I was in recruitment and I was but I was it was I was had had been asked to go self employed by the company. Um, which I did for a little while, but I got a phone call from a former uh, supplier, flower supplier of mine, who, who then managed uh, one of the big um, Dutch uh, companies at the Glasgow branch, and he was looking for some help. So I went to give him a hand, um, and within a year or two, he had actually moved on, and I was the general manager, um, and I did that in total for seven years. But again, it was incredibly stressful. Um, no matter what you did, it wasn't good enough. That's the feeling was. I thought here we go again, and the, I didn't want. Although it wasn't my business, I put enormous pressure on myself for it to be a success. Um, and uh, the beginning of two thousand and fifteen, we did a bad start to the year, uh, but we had turned it round. And I think in the November. In November of that year, 2015, um, I had emailed uh, our managing director to say we had a bad start of the year, but you know we sold flowers and plants. We sold you know hundreds of different varieties of them, but we sold flowers and plants. And I said, good news is, bad start of the year, we've now got the highest turnover on flowers and plants ever. We've got the highest margin, you know, gross and actual margin. So we you know things were had turned in massively, and I got a one one line response which said, yes, but your costs are higher. And it was just the archetypal straw that broke the camel's back. And I thought, no. I said, if I die of a heart attack in here, the only problem would be the inconvenience of me not being there to open up in the morning. Um, so at the age of 51, I applied to um, two or three GP practices um, as their practice manager, um, got an interview. It was the beginning of, end of the first week, I think, of December 2015. I got offered the job a week or so later, and I started in Inverness on the 6th of January, I think it was, 2016. I'd been through Inverness on the way to Durness a couple of times. I had been to Inverness once, and I knew one guy in Inverness. And I took this leap of faith. One of my daughters was, was teasing about it just this week. She was saying, yeah, we sat down before Christmas. She said, oh, by the way, I've changed job, and by the way, I'm, I'm moving out of Kilmacoe, and by the way, I'm moving to Inverness. I'm like, where did that come from? Um, and for me, it's interesting because when I think back to the failure I had felt, and it was enormous pressure and failure I'd felt when I was self-employed, um, I'm now, I moved to Inverness. I couldn't sell my flat and kill my comb um, because there was rot in the flat above, so I had to floor-to-ceiling supports in the bay window. So I had to live in a room in someone's house for it was actually a total of 15 months and at 51 years of age that was that wasn't quite how I planned things but I loved the job I loved the people I worked with and for me that was enormously important um, respect to them they respected me enormously important I started to agenda 2016 as we are here now in May um, 2021 I'm a partner of the practice 
I have a decent car parked outside, I have a decent house that, you know, things which I genuinely thought, I thought I'd never get and here's the thing, I thought I never deserved them Do you think you deserve them now? I I hope so, I think so, yes I work really hard um, and it deals with, it's, lots, it's stressful it's hard work um, but the, uh, the say they are still, they're great people uh, and it's a lovely environment and the work doesn't feel as difficult or as pressurised because although I had the same, I was feeling the same pressure and I worked for this, the, the Dutch flower company and I, I could see the pressure building and I wanted to get myself away from that kind of pressure where you feel that where nothing you do is right, nothing you do is good enough um, and I'd felt that pressure before and I wanted to get away from that and I'd, I'd preached to my kids about if you're not happy, see change things and I thought hang on a minute do it yourself how do you now keep tabs on where you're at and how do you keep that difficult thoughts or stress at bay because you know you've learnt you, you had years of living with it yep. you, you, you're yep. um, you know, uh, capable of feeling Really rubbish. Yep, it's. Uh, I'll be honest with you. It's. Um, it's. I say it took. It took a very long time to to uh, be happy in my own skin. Uh, to to think I deserved anything better. Uh, it took a very long time to just be at peace with myself. Um, uh, that was a really long time. Uh, but now, in terms of dealing with the stresses and pressures, the the suicidal thoughts doesn't cross my mind. Um, because for me, if you like, I, I had those demons. I look at my, my kids now, my, my ex-wife was right. Um, I lost my marriage partially because of it. Um, uh, that was, that, that was like a casualty, but we're lucky. We still got on, we're still friends. Um, uh, we, we both have great relations with our daughters um, uh, and that's enormously important. And I can see my, 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 I can see the impact it would have on my girls if um, anything happened to me. Having cancer, um, they were very upset. And I realised that if I had done anything to myself, they'd have a terrible time. And that's my wife was right. I suppose I would have been a completely selfish act of my embarrassment because of my thoughts of failure it would have been an act in response to the the mental discomfort and pain and unhappiness you were in yeah you thought you were going to do it in order to it, it, it sounds crazy now but you thought you were giving you know um, you, you, that was the right thing to do because yeah, yeah. take the pressure away from me and they would have somebody better in their life who would provide for them better so that wasn't a selfish thought, Joe. It was it was a misguided thought, oh, but it wasn't selfish. And um, here you are now, all these years later, and you didn't. No. And Hopefully. I'm very glad you didn't. Well, I, I, again, I look back and I, I, I uh, it, it seems slightly otherworldly, but I absolutely, I. I I can still relate to the person I was then in terms of I can understand the pressure I put on myself. 
at the time I thought there was no way out. I suppose with the benefit of looking back down the barrels of time, I realised that my me- I was I, I never got a diagnosis, but I was suspect I was clinically depressed, and you know, medication would probably have helped me. I should have talked to somebody about it in terms of where my head really was. I kind of bounced off a couple of people, but not seriously. That I, you know, just I didn't pursue because again, I thought ultimately that I, I would just you know I, I, I'd be fine, I'd be fine, I'd be fine. But I, I, I was I was going down further and further down. I know that now. I look back and realise how low I was, and how wrong I was, insofar as I thought that was my only option. And I I am I am eternally grateful that I didn't do what crossed my mind so often. If I, if I did what I had thought was the best thing to do, I would have been wrong. It wouldn't have been the best thing to do, it would have been the worst thing to do. Um, yes, it would have got me out of my pain, um, but it would have caused massive ripples of pain, which were, with hindsight, it's a wonderful thing, unnecessary. But at the time, you feel overwhelmed by it. Um, and I'm very lucky that I didn't take the step. Joe, thank you. <laughs> and breathe. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't talked about, some of I've just talked about, some of it really to many people, well, many people full stop, and elements of it to most of my family don't know much about it. So it's, it's I suppose, hopefully it's cathartic for me, um, but it's more than that. If anything I've said, can help anyone, and I mean one person, realise that what they think is the only option isn't the only option, and, and they seek help, which I should have sought, then I'll be a very happy man. Just a reminder of Mikey's line, if you or someone you know needs help or advice, if anything Joe said has struck a chord with you, you can text... 07786 207755. That's 07786207755. Or you can contact them via Messenger, web chat, or Twitter, Sunday to Thursday, 6 pm to 10 pm, Friday to Saturday, 7 pm to 7 am. Now, here's Shona McPherson from Mikey's Line with a few thoughts for you to mull over. Two things stand out for me from Joe's brilliant interview. I think the first is that our suicide risk can come from from within us and our responses to difficult circumstances and self-judgmental thoughts like I'm a failure, I'm not good enough, I'm going to let everyone down are really hard to live with and over time these can increase. So we all need to learn the skills of how to unhook from thoughts like these and how to live with the difficult feelings and maybe even to begin to use difficult thoughts and feelings as like a, as early warning signs that we need help. And the second thing that really stands out for me from, from Joe's interview is how for him the suicidal thoughts felt so real, so true, so factual to him and like they were the only possible response to the difficult situation that he was in. And it's only then, with hindsight, he can see that his thoughts were warped or unhelpful due to him not having perspective, due to him being unwell. And 
it's just it's so true for, again for all of us when we're in low mood or when we have high anxiety. Our thoughts can seem true, but things may very well be out of perspective. And if you feel like this or are struggling with difficult thoughts or feelings, the best time to get help is now. Mikey's line is here for you every evening. Somebody is at the end of the text line. The text line number is 077 86 and a huge thanks to Shona and all the team at Mikey's Line for the work they do. This episode was sponsored by Williamson Food Service and the podcast platform is supported by D&D Paving Limited. Please do like, share and comment about the podcast. And if you want to get involved by sponsoring an episode or telling your story, get in touch with Mikey's Line. Speaking of Suicide is an adventurous audio production. The music is Nana by Tom Ireland. Thank you.